Hello and welcome once again to episode 66 of Code Completion. We are a group of iOS developers and educators hoping to share what we love most about development, Apple technology, and completing your code. My name is Dimitri and I'll be your host once again for this episode and I'm joined today by my fellow completionists, Fernando. Hello, hello. Ben. Hey, hey. And Spencer. Hey there. So, Fernando, it's been a few episodes and Ben, even more. How have you both been? Uh, it's been... Good, actually. Like the uh, uh, the amount of work that I had uh, sort of dropped precipitously at work because uh, we have two new members, and that has given me a lot of like time to tweet memes and troll <laughs> people on Twitter. <laughs> so I'm I'm back to my old self, and I'm very happy. Nice. And I'm on the flip side. I'm in the middle of hiring, uh, so I am incredibly busy with interviews and everything else. But I, I hope to once to, to one day aspire to Fernando's level of uh, time wasting once I have more people on my team as well. <laughs> Highly recommend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, goals. Yeah. Um, so Ben, it's certainly been a while since you last joined, as you've said, and I hear you've come bearing gifts, and by gifts I mean a topic. And sure. that topic is one that you're inspired by while interviewing people. So uh, why don't you tell us a little more about that? Sure. Um, so I've been looking to uh, to backfill a position and then also expand the team a little bit. Um, so we're getting a chance to hire some more folks. Um, and we're considering people from all different skill levels. Um, but I have happened to interview a whole bunch of juniors recently. Um, and something that I found that was really interesting is... Uh, that's kind of in, in 2022 where we are in a place, at least in the United States, where um, iOS-based education is, uh, has, has shrunk quite a bit. Um, you know, we're all former boot camp instructors for iOS. Um, I, I've, I've taught at two different boot camps. And for a while, it seemed like, you know, that was really prevalent. There were lots and lots of different schools and stuff that offered iOS education. And, and since that has, has shrunk quite a bit. Um, I shut down their program. The previous boot camp I worked for doesn't even exist anymore. Um, a lot of other boot camps have gotten rid of their iOS program. So uh, what seems to be pretty interesting is is the the fresh sort of brand new people to our field who are getting into programming and getting into iOS specifically, at least in this case, that's what I've interviewed. Um, they seem to be doing, th- they seem to be getting their education in, in ways that are even more kind of self-directed, which is not surprising. So places like Paul Hudson and, uh, and Sean Allen and John Sandell and all of the sort of the, the pillars of our community that, that create great educational content, they're going and they're getting their, their, you know, they're learning how to be an iOS dev from those resources. And I, and I, this is not at all to denigrate any of that, um, any of that very hard work that those people have been doing to, to spread, you know, the, the iOS knowledge around, but something that I've thought was interesting as kind of a side effect of that is that based on my admittedly very small sample, but still, uh, you know, many I interviewed a whole bunch of, of iOS juniors. They, uh, when, when I interview them, they have, uh, kind of almost a surprising grasp of how to build apps, um, compared to what I might, what I might assume based on like their resume or kind of what I kind of was able to glean from them in the beginning about, their experience so far, it's like, wow, the, the apps that they're showing me are, are pretty, uh, like kind of a little bit above their pay grade in the sense of like, there's some cool stuff going on here that I wouldn't have necessarily expected a junior of this experience level to have achieved. Um, and 
then when you dig in a little bit more, what you realize is that in some cases, they're pulling some of this stuff from other resources. And I know that in part because I saw a couple different examples um, where the exact same implementation of something uh, was shown off in these different projects. And these, these are people that are not related to each other. They're not, they don't know each other. They're, they're not in any way connected. And yet they're, and their projects are very different, but uh, you know, they're using the same stuff. So it's clearly coming from one of those resources. And then, so you, you try and dig in a little bit and, and say, okay, well, how does this work? Or, or why did you choose this implementation? Or, um, you know, w- what was your approach or thought process behind making this decision to, to build your app in this way. And they, in some cases, give, you know, a, a pretty decent answer. They give kind of a, a little bit of a shakier answer. In other cases, they just flat up say either I don't know or they, or they admit, you know, I, I, I took, I, I got inspiration for this solution from, you know, X resource. Um, and again, that's not to say that you shouldn't do that. Um, you know, one of the first things that you do when you're learning is you parrot things, right? You, someone tells you how to do something and you parrot it back to them. So in programming, that could be you take, you follow a tutorial and then you take some pieces from that tutorial and you remix them into your own app, right? Like that's it's basically parroting with a little bit of re- remixing. It's one of the steps that you take certainly on your way to, to skill mastery is, is, is that kind of, that kind of step. Uh, but something I just found kind of interesting is that like what you call this, uh, Dimitri was glossed over knowledge, right? Like knowledge that you get from some trusted resource and you accept as truth, which, you know, it's just part of the process. Um, and you even, you know, you can, you can re recreate it in a tutorial. You can even sort of remix it slightly into your own solution and even maybe use it in a way that's slightly different. So that's great. But you just don't have necessarily the that backing knowledge that the why, right? Like I kept saying in these interviews over and over again, uh, you know, in, in some cases what you're telling me when I ask you, you know, why did you make this decision? They would they would tell me the what. They would they would explain to me what they did. And I say, okay, that's great. That's what you did. That's a that's a good explanation of of what you created. But why did you do that, right? Why? And I would try and explain, you know, in programming, everything that we do is essentially for a reason, right? There, there is a reason why it's there, and if it's if there is no reason for it to be there, it's probably code that you, sh- generally speaking, shouldn't include in your project because it's just extra, you know, unnecessary code that is really just going to cause problems down the line. So, so there really needs to be a reason behind everything, right? And so, you know, can you give me the reason? And and that's t- usually tend to be where they kind of would fall down and, and, and have trouble. Um, and so I just wanted to sort of bring it up here and talk about it and, and talk about maybe what's happening there, uh, what we can do about it as a community, how we can support these juniors, that kind of thing, to help them understand the why. And I think uh, somewhat of a sad consequence of like the boot camp industry, for whatever reason, going away, shying away from iOS development in particular, is that uh, not to pat ourselves on the back too much, but I do feel like because we had a lot more time and we had a lot more high sort of touch uh, interaction with individual students compared to like running a tutorial, you know, watching a tutorial, we were able to delve into the why a lot more. And and I feel like uh, that's kind of missing in today's sort of, uh, you know, modern iOS education landscape. I, I want to, I want to say that 
although it's like very tempting to say that, oh, maybe if they had a computer science background or they went to school right. for this, then they would be able to tell you that why. But at the same time, what you learn in a computer science background is not at all what's going to be useful writing apps. Right. Um, and I, I think some of us like had the experience of actually like taking a few courses in computer science and seeing that, no, this is not at all like what is necessary as like a modern app developer. And I'm talking about either web apps or iOS apps is you don't really need to invent new like foundations for computing in general, which is what computer science is kind of more about um, from a, from like the most generalized uh, view. Uh, But at the same time, like these people that uh, you were interviewing, they do have the same shaky foundations that someone that did not go to school for this might also have. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's interesting in that I think a lot of people that got into making apps or development in general, they came to it from like a self-interest and therefore they built up a lot Mm -hmm. of knowledge over a long period of time and therefore Mm -hmm. they can back up the why more easily. Whereas a lot of people nowadays maybe seeing it as, oh, this is an opportunity that can really change my life, which it absolutely is. But you end up like running into it a a lot faster than someone who's kind of doing it just because they're just curious about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And at that point, you may end up glossing over a lot of the things that someone who's more curious about it may just end up absorbing more naturally um Mm -hmm. and you need to really be taught those things instead um which those tutorials may not be teaching really they might be trying to teach a completely different facet of um that goal but not not the one that you were ultimately asking about right right i think dimitri to expand on dimitri's point which i think is, is really spot on um especially the part about taking years to learn the trade um uh a, a few uh, like when I, I i can't speak for any anyone else but when i started uh and there was like basically almost no stack overflow questions about ios <laughs> okay. uh i had to like i was really happy or lucky when i found someone writing at length about ios and about a concept and usually it would just devour that and if i was trying to find something like I remember distinctly on the the very first app I worked on, um, uh, Key Ingredient, which was a recipe uh, grazer app. Um, I had to remake a collection view. Well, I had to make a collection view before collection view was a thing. So I couldn't go to like Paul Hudson's amazing uh, website and go, okay, like show me an example of a collection view. Boom, copy, paste, modify, let's go. I had to like understand how a scroll view worked, how to draw views, how to reuse them, how to manually do all of that logic, and I had to build it up. So when like on iOS, I think it was five, Apple finally introduced the collection view. I was like, oh neat! Like I just learned the API, and I know the why behind most of these APIs. And nowadays, like the information is right there for you to pick. So I'm actually, I'm surprised and not surprised. When Ben mentioned like juniors were really like had really high quality apps for their level, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. And then you explained it, and I was like, yeah, of course that makes sense. There's really high quality code out there nowadays. Yeah. Like you can just go out and find a really amazing tutorial, 
copy and paste it, modify a little bit, and boom, you got a great app. So that's really cool. My question to round, round this up would be, are our expectations of a junior wrong? Should it include the why? Or should it just include the what? And should we start nurturing the why like during their first jobs, entry-level jobs? I think that's a really good question. I mean, I, I think in part it probably depends on how big the team is that they're joining, right? And how self-sufficient they're going to need to be in that role. Um, I, I just, uh, we just restarted the meetup that I used to host. Um, it's back now. Uh, and we very generously got uh, some, some space uh, here in Orlando to, to go do the meetup at. And, um, and I was talking to the CTO, who's the contact that that we got to to use the space, and and he was saying uh, that he's looking to hire some juniors, um, but something that he really wants to be focused on is making sure that the ratio of juniors to seniors on his teams are appropriate, so that they can hire juniors, and that those juniors will then be able to learn and thrive in that environment. Um, you know, and I thought that was a really good point. That if I mean, you know, we all know like the whole. Some people think that hiring a junior is just hiring a senior for less money, which is nonsense, <laughs> right? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, but also, I think even um, even if you have sort of more noble goals than that, sometimes you can you can say, oh, well, we're hi- we're going to hire a junior, right? But the team is only two or three people, um, and uh, you know the the goals that you have. For somebody on a team of that size compared to the goals you might have for somebody that's on like joining a team of 20 uh, where there are a lot more maybe mids and seniors available for to give help for the few juniors that might be on that team. I think that I think that certainly can affect like how you approach answering your question for Nano, right? Like as as a team, let's say a leader of a team, right? And you're like, okay, what is what is the appropriate thing? To, what is the appropriate approach here for hiring a junior? What what are what are our requirements going to be? And I think I think the what is definitely on that list, no matter what, right? But then the why, I, I think I agree with you that like maybe sometimes the why is going to be it's going to rise the level of requirement, and then other right. times it might be more of like a nice to have, depending on uh, the ways that you that you expect that junior to interact with the rest of the team, right? I mean, if you're hiring a junior and it's a startup, you're going to probably <laughs> want to find like the the most diamondy of of, of 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 juniors, right? Where they're they're just you're you're kind of like blown away by how good they are, and they're only a junior, right? Um, uh, particularly about the why. But if it's a large team, then and and one of your stated goals is to nurture juniors, because you can't just hire them and expect it to happen organically. You do need to basically have a yep. plan. Uh, then maybe the maybe only the what is important, and maybe the maybe you can teach them the why, right? This reminds me a lot. This discussion reminds me a lot of a very different hiring practice, which is common in Japan um, and not at all like completely foreign here. Um, and it's pretty close to the idea of an apprenticeship, where companies would hire people who have zero experience. Um, and those people would join the company with no experience at all and slowly learn through like the other individuals that are in that company how to be the ideal employee of that company in a way. Mm. 
Um, and as a result, those employees end up staying there for decades. Um, and it's not at all an environment where people are hopping around between different companies. And there's a, definitely the pros and cons for how is that beneficial and how is it uh, not. But as a result of that, you end up with a situation where people with no experience have a chance at like getting their foot in the door and gaining that experience with generalized knowledge. Like, oh, you have a college education. That's good enough. Okay, now we're going to tell you, teach you very specialized knowledge, um, and that will be very successful here. Um, and you kind of work your way up. Um, and that kind of methodology is very foreign to the our like tech sphere in general. I would say where people are jumping back and forth between companies at like. Uh, high speed almost oh i spent three months here i spent six months here and then within two years you worked at seven different companies um which seems to be super common um in in silicon valley and as a result only people with a lot of experience are kind of valued in that kind of uh place and as soon as you stop valuing that person oh they move on so you're kind of encouraged to value them more um, as a result and only try for the best because you want people who are not going to leave essentially like because there's a whole there's a whole amount of work trying to get them up to speed and stuff like that so um, it's it's interesting that we kind of fall into this hole where although we need juniors to continue like the the practice of development like it's not we are going to grow old and die one day uh, and there's going to need to be people to replace us and those people are not going to be necessarily people who are learning about computers from an early age it's just going to be any path of life can kind of get into it um and we need to make it accessible for those people to kind of get in if that makes any sense on the other hand if we don't make it accessible our salaries will continuously go up <laughs> Like, there's just going to be less and less of us. Mm -hmm. It's just basic math. Image. Until there's just one programmer making like a billion dollars a year. <laughs> the Highlander. I, I, yeah, this is the Highlander theory of it's the Fernando's Highlander theory. theory of development. Yep. <laughs> there can only be one. But the, your, point, your, your, your point, Dimitri, brought up, a, a, a remind me of like, you know, that sort of this, a common saying in, in our industry is that is that credentials and training and stuff like where that happens, right? Is it nearly as important as what, you know, basically the saying is like, if you know what you're doing, you can get a job and you can make good money and you can be successful. Right. Which sounds very, in general, sounds very egalitarian. Sounds very like, Oh, any, anybody with the skills can come and do that. And I think that is true. That is, that is something that's nice about our, our field is that, um, you know, you can kind of come from, any background and whatever, and it is possible for you to succeed, but sort of the, the unspoken, like, uh, other sort of sub point of that, right. Is that, like you said, the only people that are really going to be valued in this transaction are the people who bring the skills with them, bring the experience with them rather than, uh, than, than learning them on the job necessarily. Like you were saying, like an apprentice with zero experience. Like I have a college degree. I'm a smart person in general. I can think for myself, but I don't have any domain knowledge at all over the job that you're hiring me to do, but I will learn it on the job, right? And that, like, that's basically, in some respects, the thing that we're telling juniors to do is go get a job and get experience, and then, you know, then you'll be great, right? But like, 
it's the whole you know it's the whole chicken and egg problem like how do you get the experience without the job and how do you get the job without the experience and we are in many cases we're saying two things that are sort of diametrically opposed right like go get the experience and you can have a great career except when we ask candidates when we, when we vet candidates the very first thing we're doing like yeah what experience yeah. do you have <laughs> so yeah i, I add, sorry spencer go go for it all right sorry uh, I was just going to say, yeah, it, it really does kind of seem like a catch-22 where we do expect that knowledge, but then we're not really giving any resources. We we talked about this a little bit kind of when uh, we all left Lambda and we were trying to figure out what to do kind of more as a group here before we ended up forming the podcast. And our, our thought was sort of, well, we could try to help bridge the gap between um, – basically leaving a boot camp or kind of where these people are that um, Ben is interviewing where, you know, they've studied on their own and getting a job because there is a gap. And we like, that's exactly what Ben saw in those interviews. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. So I think one of the things is, you know, interestingly, I think part of it has to do kind of like Dimitri said with that curiosity where I think part of it is on them to be able to say, well, okay, I just looked at this uh, tutorial. I'm stuck in tutorial hell. Maybe I can somehow get out of that. I can read documentation to get further understanding. But also, and probably more um, prominently, it's on us as a community to help them as well. And so I think things like, uh, you know, Ben starting up his his, uh, meetup again is a great thing to get juniors interested and maybe foster that curiosity or actually help them learn through the talks that they're giving or uh, joining slack groups i think you know we've got some resources but also obviously it's not um enough collectively as a community because this is kind of i'd say prevalent i mean it's probably always going to happen in any community but it seems to be a fairly common theme with juniors that are interviewing. So yeah, I like Ben and Fernando and and Dimitri were talking about, I don't know if we need to kind of reset our expectations a little bit on during interviews and say, yeah, we will hire you with less experience, but also, you know, kind of foster that within the company that you work for, or if it is more of a, we need to help them get to that point outside of a company, if that makes sense. It, in a way, it's almost like we need to teach people how to be curious about this as a craft. And yeah, like learning give them how to a learn. reason. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or give them a reason to be curious because a lot of people are getting into it for, frankly, the money aspects because it makes a lot of money. Um, but there are there's a reason why they can continue doing it, and that's because they are learning to be better at it, right? Like if this is a grueling job if the only reason you're doing it is to make money. Like there are easier ways. You can go to school for four years and become a doctor. That is probably easier than what, changing no. the way you think. No, I'm I'm legitimately serious. I think probably changing not the way a great example think... being a doctor like in the middle of a pandemic. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I, I even then I would kind of argue, but sorry, keep keep going. So uh, what I'm trying to say is programming and development is not as easy as a lot of people may think it is from the outset. And it really does demand a different way of thinking to excel at it. And something that I've seen from seniors that I never see in juniors 
is the ability to, on the dime, think about all sorts of different scenarios to solve a problem, which is not something that comes easily. It's something that takes a lot of hard work to nurture and to really change how you behave as like an individual uh, to get to that point. And we need to encourage people to feel like they can do that on their own um, so that way they can nurture that skill on their own. And tutorials are maybe not the best way to do that in a way because it's giving you the answer, right? And it's not letting you learn how to think to get to that answer. Um, and it's... It's not letting I, you fail either, right? Like even yeah. even the failures that occur as part of tutorial following mm-hmm. are pretty small in scope and are usually a matter of you didn't you read the example wrong or you know you misspelled something or or like you you just you you forgot to add a line that is in the tutorial but not in your like you know it's stuff that's that's pretty superficial in it's in like the level severity of the failure or the severity of the mistake um whereas if you're you know like out out in the out on your own in the middle of the field with nothing but you know your own thoughts and your own implementation and it's something that's totally greenfield you can make mistakes that are <laughs> that are way bigger in scope and way more uh you know time consuming to to fix and and insidious to even find right um you know you, you, now that you mentioned that you know what's what's a funny thing that I always do with my mentees uh when we're in pair programming, in the middle of an exercise, um, like we're building an app or doing something or I'm code reviewing their code, if they get stuck on a on a medium or big problem, I screen share and fix the problem for them, right? I code it myself. I explain this is why I would do this. This is this why I'm not doing this, blah, blah, blah. And then once I'm done, we test it, see if it works. And if it works and it never fails to to uh, have their jaws drop, I delete everything and it just never reappears. And I'm like, okay, you know how to do it. Like whatever you picked up from my explanation, that's great. Go and do it. And they're usually like, oh, but you had it working already. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I had it working. Like I can do it. I can do it again right now. But you can't. You have to do it. You have to struggle doing it. I wish there were like, uh, like the like. Once you read a tutorial, it basically all the code snippets just went away, and you had the instructions, and that would be really cool. That would be amazing because because I think I agree. Like you need to fail, and you need to fumble. It's one of the things that I continuously write about, uh, and I, I. don't know how how many times I can rehash this, but you gotta like you gotta feel lost at sea, right? You gotta be in front of the computer with an open text editor, in this case the IDE or Xcode, and be like, I have no idea what to do. And just do it. Right? Yeah, Whatever yeah. that step one, open the editor, step uh-huh. two, question marks, step yeah. three, app. That gap is what what needs to happen in order for you to excel, and that is really difficult to teach. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know how how to teach that in writing. I'm gonna look for like self destructing tutorials or self destructing videos. <laughs> that's that's cool. that I think good. that's pretty. Yeah, it's a neat idea to explore. I don't I remember think, what I don't remember what uh, problem it was, but this is in like probably 2013 or 2014. Uh, I was at work 
and I was trying to solve a problem, and I don't remember what it was. But I literally spent two full-time weeks trying to solve it. And the whole time that I was doing it, I'm like, I don't think that this is possible. I, I think <laughs> what I'm trying to do and what, they've, what the company has asked me to implement, I don't think is actually doable. Um, and the whole time I thought that. I thought, I was like, I'm trying stuff, but like, I, I have no faith this is ever going to work, right? And again, I don't remember what it was. But eventually, after a couple of weeks... I did, I did get it working. It did actually function. I found a permutation of code that made it work properly. And, and then, but up until that, the minute before that <laughs> happened, I was convinced that I was like, this is futile. Like, I'm just going to spend, I'm going to spend on this forever and it's never, it's never going to happen. Right. Um, and, and I think what you're describing, Fernando, is like, uh, not that I necessarily wish people to spend weeks on something thinking that it's <laughs> not going to work, but I, but I think sort of the, the, um, like after that happened to me, right? I I feel like my thought process around constructing solutions with code changed a little bit in the sense that there are things you literally cannot do, right? Like I'm not trying to say that anything's possible because there is there's stuff that you just it's just not it's either not possible or it's just so like unwieldy that it's not worth doing. Um, but I do think that like that experience that struggle did help me to understand that. I am more capable than I thought, and uh, what is possible is broader than what I thought before, mm-hmm. right? And, like, if you don't ever – I feel like if you don't ever experience that, it's it's hard for – it. It I feel like in some ways maybe it always feels like you're parroting. Like, always feels like you're just taking someone else's solution and applying it to your problem space and maybe doing a little remixing. But, you know, like you like, if you never – it's the why. I think you're, yeah. you're very, you started out on the right note. It's the why. Yeah. I can copy something from Stack Overflow and paste it, and I won't screw it up because I read how Dimitri screwed up last week. But <laughs> 99% of the time, none of us here will copy something from Stack Overflow and be like, yep, this works. I'm not going to check it. It'll right. just magically work. <laughs> right. And it's, it's right? the same yeah. skill that allows you to identify what answer is good on Stack Overflow exactly. immediately. Yes. Like the, the speed at which we, at the very least, can just click on Google, scroll very quickly, identify yep. what the solution is, if there is one, or go back. And we didn't even read much of it. We're just scanning with our <laughs> eyes funny. to identify. Yeah. We can do that so quickly. Um, and as, as Ben said, that feeling of that struggle, it never goes away. Like I spent the past four weeks working on a single problem and going back to what you said, Fernando, of like, oh, you uh, sitting with someone and then like starting the solution and someone asks, oh, like, why are we doing it this way? There's no reason why we're doing it this way. We just need to start somewhere, right? Yeah. Well, that's true. We start and it's like, well, we're doing it this way to see if it works. And if it works, yeah. then great. If it doesn't, then we're going to have to restart and do that over and over and over and iterate uh, until we do find something that works. But it's all of development is that all the time. Like yeah. you are going to breeze through the parts that don't require any of that like heavy thought. And you're not even going to notice those because at every moment you're going to hit that roadblock again and struggle <laughs> again. Especially on iOS. Like yeah. I, I saw a tweet earlier this day that it was like uh, when in the planning stages, like uh uh the schedule for a new app, model three days, uh 
UI, five days. And then the reality is model, three days. UI, two days. Uh, five weeks trying to fix that one UI git bug because I had to <laughs> redo everything from scratch. It's just like you said, Dimitri, you're constantly like you're breezing, you're breezing, breezing, and then bam, you hit a brick wall. And you start going up and somebody asks you, why are you going up that way? I don't know. I, yeah. think, I think this way is, this is the right way. And then if I find something and I slip, maybe I try another way. Or maybe mm -hmm. like Ben, maybe I just keep going through this damn wall until I'm actually good enough to like climb it and get to the other side. So, yeah, I think that's a huge thing is like the, the patience, right? Where um, maybe like in that case, Ben didn't know the why of whatever problem he was I probably to solve. didn't. <laughs> but the honest. difference is you had like the patience and perseverance to go through the problem and understand it where right. uh, like I feel like I sound such a boomer here but I feel like when you have at, at, when you're starting as a developer and you're you're trying to learn you ha now have all of these resources kind of handed to you on a silver platter and I think that partially may give you a sense of um like a lack of patience where you're like yeah. oh well i'll just go find another tutorial but what if there is no other tutorial yeah <laughs> what if all there is is a stack overflow answer and it doesn't really explain things it just said this one worked for me it's in swift 3 great uh yeah. and then you're like okay well i can paste this but then you don't get that why so yeah again it's it's kind of bridging that gap of how do we how do we foster that patience within ourselves to be able to use the other resources we have that aren't as easy as tutorials. I think the other thing too is, and this is, I'm just speculating, but I think the other thing is that very similar to that Spencer is like, if, if you're someone in 2022 who maybe they, maybe you have like a year or less experience at development and you chose iOS and you did a whole bunch of tutorials, right? The other, in addition to maybe having a lack of patience, which I, I think that's a that's a very astute like observation. I think the other thing is that the tutorial, if that's how you've learned how to code, that's going to make you think that every program you make has a set of Lego instructions that if you just follow them correctly, you will get to the right answer. Right. Right. And that is not true. Like, like f true, like, you know, I'm out in front with a machete kind of greenfield doing something new, right, is, is, is a lot closer to, to putting your finger on a random place on the map and going, we're going here. And they're like, why are you doing that? I don't know, because I, that's where I put my finger, right? Like, you're just trying stuff to see if it works, right? And then, and then, like everybody said, if it doesn't work, you back up and try something else. And you just, and it's just like, it's not blind, uh, you know, literally just doing anything right you you are bringing your skill and your experience and you know i've solved a problem that's kind of like this so i'm going to take a similar approach to see if this also works like it's not just like completely open-ended but it is i think maybe the dirty little secret that we can tell all the juniors is that we don't know what we're doing half the time either like it's you know it's like it's it's we're trying to solve a problem and it and it as it is as much about the doing as it is about the why right like you just like you said you have to just start you have to just start and do it and see what happens and if it doesn't work out you just back up and try something else right and you have yeah. to have the patience to do that and you have to have the perseverance to see that through and all of that but i think you know maybe in addition to the lack of patience maybe it's also that they're like where is the tutorial for this <laughs> like like you said yeah. right maybe there maybe there is like one. entitled yeah yeah there's there's a slight caveat to like 
I don't know what I'm doing. Because cause there's like the whole meme about the dog in front of the computer, like the the two states of being a programmer, you either don't know what you're doing or you're like a, a god. Yes. That is true. That That is 100% true. Yes. But uh, you reminded me, there is a an excellent, excellent interview um, uh, by Kara Swisher. I hope I didn't butcher her name. And uh, Wald Mossberg. Uh, they're interviewing, I'm pretty sure it's, it's both Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. And at one point, Jobs is like, um, paraphrasing here, but he basically says, I come to work every day because uh, there's like a fog and nobody really knows uh, what's out there, but you sort of like can barely make it out, mm-hmm. right? I think that's how it feels for me when I'm coding and I don't know exactly where I'm going. Yeah. It's like, it's not necessarily that I'm just like fumbling around. Right. Though, though there are times when you're like, sure. I just, I just got to throw something out there. Yeah. But usually it's like, there's a very heavy fog mm-hmm. and there's a few lights. Yeah. And like Dimitri said, you can immediately due to experience, you can immediately recognize like that one's probably not it. So right. it's probably this one. Yeah. And you're just trying to slowly walk towards there. Yeah. Um, and it's very difficult to share that feeling. I think there needs to be steaks, honestly. And not mm. delicious beef steaks. But <laughs> like there's there needs to be something at stake. And when you're like copying from a tutorial for your own app, there is nothing at stake, right? You just copy and paste and if it doesn't work uh who cares you go and try another tutorial or another thing or another stack yeah. overflow question but when you're at work it's like oh yeah. shit i need to get this done like yeah. like in your example right yeah like they that's that's why i kept going really exactly it was like i'm the person that everyone's looking at that's expecting this to to work out right so like i i can't just go to my boss and be like i'm sorry it's not possible it's right? not yet yeah, it's, it's not gonna work that's not gonna, that's not an answer that's going to work, right? So I just have to keep going and just kind of assume on one hand that this is probably not possible and on the other hand be like, but it'll work out, which is a weird that's that's two weird thoughts to have in your brain at the same time, but I think, you know, that's part sometimes it's what you have to do. Yep. Yep, sometimes it's what you have to do. And I think I think your fog analogy is great. I think like as a junior it's a fog where maybe it's like really heavy fog and you have very dark sunglasses on, right? So like you can right. barely see anything, right? Whereas it, as a senior, the glasses are off, right? So you, you can see with your, your sort of raw eyeballs, you don't have anything in the way, but it's still a heavy fog. So maybe there's some shadowy figures that you can make out. And like you said, it's like, that's probably not right. That shape doesn't look right, right? Or whatever, even though you don't actually know what it is right. completely. You're like, this shape looks wrong. So I'm going to go over here. Whereas a junior it's so thick and dark that you're just like, I'm just kind of grasping at whatever because I don't, I don't have a frame of reference. Right. And that's um, the and thing like, about experience, right? Uh, yeah. You, you can see the shape, but it's your experience that no, it doesn't look right. right. Whereas if you're a junior, even if you didn't have the glasses on, which I like the addition of the glasses, <laughs> even if you didn't have them on, you've never seen that shape. Right. Yeah, you, you can't understand what's right and wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Or if you're navigating the same fog, like, Either way, you see a forest of trees all around you, but experience can tell you how to identify what's past the trees, right? Yeah. Right. Where you can kind of go in any direction, but then right. you'll know to track the sun and mm-hmm. go in the right direction at the end of the day. Um, right. And you won't get lost from taking sidetracks and things like that. 
Um, and I really, that, I really, sorry, that is something that you can only get through experiencing it, right? Yeah. The experience is exactly that. You need to live through that moment of pain <laughs> to, yeah. to really pain. learn the lesson. Um, yeah. Because you won't learn it otherwise. You'll just know that it exists. It's like, oh, I know that this is possible. I saw Fernando write it right in front of you. Um, but you right. don't, you did, you didn't pay the attention that you needed to actually learn the lesson. Well, you right? didn't pay the you price, learned... right? Like you, you yeah. got it for mm-hmm. free. Instead mm-hmm. of you just paying decided... a price. Yeah. And yeah, you could have, you could have absorbed that, but yeah. you, you didn't because that's not what you were looking out for. You were looking out right. for, I need to find a solution, not what is the solution to solve this problem. Right. Um, and it's, it's hard definitely like i remember fernando like tweeting at me earlier today about like the difficulties with learning japanese and i <laughs> tweeted back to him a nice little comic of um it was an oh no comic by alex norris and there's success at the top of a mountain and it's like oh no i didn't realize i have to actually put work into getting that success <laughs> um and it's exactly that you need to you need to actively push yourself to be able yeah. to do this well um, and you don't necessarily need to do this well. Like there's lots of work and development that does not need you to rebuild a collection view. And in right. fact, that was the whole point of Apple's Cocoa frameworks when they originally came out is look how faster someone can make an app that is functional and that gets the job done. And that's easy to use using our frameworks than the competition, um, and they actually like did com- like competitions like this of here's someone a C++ programmer uh, and here's a Cocoa programmer and they're going to write the same kind of app. And the Cocoa programmer was done in a fraction of the time uh, and they had nice things for free as a result of this. Um, yeah. So and what's kind of. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, you don't necessarily need this advanced knowledge to like. Right rebuild a collection view from scratch even though like <laughs> ironically enough i've done that i've done exactly that um and i learned a lot through doing that um and i learned how to do it better so that way the next time i did it i did it better um because it's not just once that i ended up doing that but that's exceptionally freeing once you can have those skills because it's just like needing a calculator to do basic math versus just doing it in your head you have no qualms about calculating a quick tip or uh, doing some quick math without like pulling out something to verify the answer because you are confident that you have the answer because you put in the effort to yeah. memorize your multiplication tables, learn about order of operations, and be without any sense of like worry that you're going to do it wrong in the process. Whereas you can totally just pull out your calculator. In fact, we all carry around calculators 24-7 now. So, like, that is totally an A-OK thing to do. But you can also do the alternative of not needing that. And, yes, it might take the same amount of time or longer. But you can do more things with that toolbox, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I was going to say, as a callback to Fernando's point about, like, that there need to be stakes. I think it's something that's kind of kind of sad about like how how we assess people for purposes of interview right um and particularly as it pertains to juniors is i mean as we all know the the technical interviewing process in modern software jobs is pretty broken and most companies do it poorly and most interviewers are not very good at 
interviewing, right? And, it, and in part, I think it's because it's a skill that none of us practice very often, except for when we're interviewing. So as, as little as you, as you interview for a job, probably, you know, in some, and certainly this is not always true, but like in many cases, it's like you also interview others as uh, infrequently as, as you might interview for a job. So it's just hard to practice. But as far as the stakes, uh, you know, the people that I interviewed, the stakes suddenly became very the why and not knowing the why <laughs> suddenly became very real yeah. when they're in an interview with me and I'm asking them the why and and to just to so that everyone that's listening understands kind of how I run my interviews I don't think personally that things like lead code questions or random pseudocode algorithm whiteboard stuff is really all that useful uh as far as assessing people because I want to know there's basically for one thing, it's, it's mostly irrelevant to the work that, that we do as iOS devs. And also, there is a huge like collection of questions that I can ask you about our domain-specific knowledge that is super difficult to answer well. I don't need to go out and ask you some weird esoteric computer science question to stump you. I can stump you with all kinds of stuff that we do. Our <laughs> stuff is very complicated. So so I, I can I can make it as difficult as I want. Um, but I, what, what I will say is like the way that I do it is I have them bring a project that they have worked on, which is why I saw those duplicates um, uh, in the code impl- implementation, because I want them to feel comfortable with the, with the code so that they can speak confidently. Like the whole point is to try and get them to succeed, not fail. Like I, I, want, I want to put the burden of I have to pick the best person because they all did a great job versus, well, these 14 people sucked and, and, I, set, and I set them up for failure and they and they bombed right like that's not how i want to run my interviewing process i want them all i want to give them the chance to all succeed and then it's sort of on me to like split hairs and try and find like the best person for for the gig right um and and but i will say that you know i do i ask questions like why right why did you do this and suddenly you can see <laughs> in their in their in their faces it's in some cases right where it's like Mm, I, you know, and, and I, I think, I, I hope that I prepped them well enough for the interview. I said, bring a project that you're really comfortable with. Make sure that you've recently looked at it, right? Make sure that, you, that you're familiar with the layout and the design and what and choices that you made. And I'm going to have you demo it for me. And then, I'm, and then we're going to jump into the code. And I'm just going to point at pieces of your code and ask you to explain them. That's basically what I told them as the prep. So I feel like, you know, that's probably more than most interviewers are going to tell you about what the interview is going to be like, right? So I, I feel like I, I did, I didn't, I didn't like, here's the list of questions I'm going to ask you. I didn't go that far. But I tried to sort of set them up for success. But I can tell you, when I said, like, why did you do this this way? Or, or, or explain to me kind of uh, the, the, the pros and cons of this approach versus some other way that you could do it, right? Um, because I want to understand how they approach the process of building software. Sometimes the faces that they would give me are just like, oh, crap, I, this was not in the tutorial. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to answer this. Uh, and, and then, and then I think the other thing is because, uh, the interview process is so broken in our industry, they immediately are so afraid of not answering my question that they are, that they don't want to say, I don't know. Right. Right. And, and their tendency is like, uh, if I don't know what it is, I'm just going to make up something because I have to answer this question. Right. And so if anybody tried to do that, I tried to say, listen, I don't know is a perfectly reasonable answer. <laughs> and there, and I don't expect you to know the answer to every question I ask you. So 
And and it is much worse if you try and BS an answer to me rather than giving me just a straight up humble I don't know, right? I, I was going to say they're very random good. data. Yeah. What Nil is a I, I, Dimitri, sorry I didn't hear you. You go first and then I'll go. Okay. Nil is a better result to have than yes. random data. <laughs> yeah. For sure. <laughs> it I depends love that. on the language. I'm stealing that and using that. Please do. <laughs> Um, I, I, what was I going to say? Probably a dumb joke. Sorry. Yeah. It's sorry. a reasonable assumption coming from you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's okay. But basically uh, that, that I was saying like the look on their faces, they were surprised, right? And that they didn't know what to, they didn't know what to do, but they, they knew that they knew that nothing or I don't know was not the right thing oh, to do. Right. Right. So there's a, there's very like, uh, there's very, very, very few ways of making me like truly angry. Uh-huh. And trying to bullshit me when I'm asking questions, like especially at work, yeah, or at an interview, that's yeah. a surefire way of me getting like really angry on your face. Yeah. Like that's not why I'm not here to waste my time. Like I just want right. to do my work and then go right. and do my thing. So if right. I have to spend like five minutes here trying to like go through your bullshit, I'm gonna be very angry. Or so the- <laughs> I and I will be very happy if like I ask you something and you're like. Uh, I tried it because this is what I know. I yep. don't know of anything else. Yeah. Perfect. Totally fine. Yeah. Let's explore something else. But because right. this is the best. Blah, 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 yeah. Stop. No, yeah, I don't yeah. have time for this. Like, yeah. I know you don't know. Don't make me don't make me say it. Right. 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 It's just. Yeah. Well, yeah, and what all... I what I told what I told the juniors when I would say, like, you know, please, please tell me I don't know. And please tell other people in interviews that you go on. Right. I don't know. Right. Make sure that you feel comfortable saying that. And if they give you crap for that, you don't want to work there, right? That's not a good sign. Um, Because, and I said, the reason why you don't want people, I mean, in case it's not clear, why you don't want people who are BSing their way through answers is because not only do do we then have this dance where like, I know you don't know what you're talking about, you're trying to lie to me, and like, that's bad, right? But also, what I fear even more than that is that you, as a member of my team, are going to do that to a colleague who maybe doesn't, maybe is even more junior than you or, yep, or whatever, yep. right? And, or maybe you advance and you become more of a senior and then now you're giving out this terrible advice, right? And then the person, person that's, that's getting the help doesn't know the difference and now you're propagating this bad information and like it's just, it infects the team and it, and it, and it, it becomes toxic and that is not something that I want to support on my team because it's not going to make us productive, right? So in addition to you looking bad in the interview setting, I also am filtering people like that out, most importantly, because I don't want that kind of uh, approach, right, to be to be part of the team. Now I'm angry because I'm imagining <laughs> people telling me bullshit. My night is I mean, ruined. sorry, Fernando. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing is like we're we we've all been there. We all know what we don't know, right? We've yeah. all had yep. a time where we don't know something. So sure. it's kind of like, well, just just admit it, right? Just, just admit, be honest, right? Just like, be honest, yeah. As a senior, not I'm not saying me. I'm saying you all. You all don't know everything, and I know you right. don't know. And right. it's like, why are I we know expecting everything. junior? Okay, you, except for Dimitri. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> That's he's the exception, not the rule, though. Yeah. So, just doing why, why do we expect juniors? Completely to know joking, everything? by the way. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> it's not clear. Yeah, definitely doing, don't doing know a everything. Little, a little introspection. I think I'm angry because it took me a lot of work to get 
to where I am, right? Yeah. And to learn the things that I do know, like we've just been discussing, like it's painful. Like yeah. you just don't go and read something and boop, it's just right. in my head now. Like right. I will always remember it. Like you have to stumble a few times. There's, right. I've looked for, I think it's happened to all of us. I've looked for the same Stack Overflow question maybe 10 times <laughs> until I'm like at the 11th time, I'm like, Okay, maybe I should just memorize this, right? Yeah. Because it's been I'm inflicting pain upon myself going to Google every single time. So when somebody tries to bullshit you, it's like you're trying to avoid the pain and it's yeah. it costs me a lot of pain. So no, you don't get to skip over that and pretend you're like here with us the painful I don't know how to say that, but you get my idea, <laughs> He's right? Fired up. Francis fired yeah. up with this. I th- I may be misattributing this, but I think it might have been Andrew Madsen who said one time that like he actually went and looked up an answer on Stack Overflow and it ended up being an answer that he had written. I I could have been somebody else, <laughs> right? But yeah. but uh, but like that that sort of story, right? That is true. I mean, you you not only do you do you not know everything, but you forget stuff, right? Stuff yep. that you used to know pretty well. You're like, mm, I don't know that so well anymore because I just haven't used it in a while or whatever. Um, and yeah, the idea that we that we expect juniors in particular. And in particular, in interview settings, to be you know like I I actually unfortunately heard some kind of horror stories from some some of the juniors who I talked to. We were just chit chatting a little bit here and there, and and uh, I shared a couple of stories about interviews that I had been on, and and they shared some and some horror stories of people saying like, yeah, I was asked to um, to write this whole thing in like an hour, and when I asked if I could look anything up, they were like, no, you can't use the internet. You can't. It's like <laughs> what? What is happening? Like who? Like, where am I going to work? Yeah, like, am I going to go work in a little Faraday cage all by myself yeah. with just an air gapped computer? Like, I don't. It doesn't make any sense, right? I can't ask anyone any questions. I can't. I can't look anything up. I can't. It's just like that is such an artificial environment that is so disconnected from the actual work that we do in real life that it's for one thing not any. It's not. It doesn't tell you anything useful, right? And for another, it. it it just seems cruel, right? <laughs> to like put someone through that. In fact, if I found out that a member of my team was never looking anything up, never looking at the docs, and never asking anybody any questions, and they don't code, even have an internet connection. Yeah, I would probably fire them because it's like you you are so misappropriating the company's resources by spending fourteen times yep. the amount of time that you needed to spend on this because you patently refuse to get help from any resource. Like that's. That's actually not a skill that I want to foster or, or encourage. Right? I want the opposite. Like, go look it up or ask someone or look at the docs or you know, like, yeah. It it, it it's so weird. It's such a it's such a weird, like bizarro world compared to the to the actual job that we all do every day. Yep. So to to tie us all off and finish it off, I have a small story of a recent interview that I was doing. Um, and as a part of that, they opened up a coder pen so that way I could draft out a, a data model. So this is one is wasn't actually like make anything that compiles. It was just like, hey, this is a scratch pad that you can go ahead and use to describe uh, what you're working on. <clears throat> and uh, in that moment, I, as someone with a lot of experience, frankly, and I can I can say with confidence, I know what I'm doing for the vast majority of cases. As soon as I did not have Xcode and I had to stare at a camera <laughs> and not my keyboard while I was typing, um, I could not write any code. That was like, I would, st- my hands would start to drift and I would type gobbledygook. And I'm not looking at what I'm typing because I'm looking at a camera. 
um, nor am I looking at the keyboard. So oftentimes what I will do is I will like build up a buffer of what I want to type and then I will look at the keyboard and start typing that. And mm-hmm. I know what I'm typing because I'm verifying with my fingers. So I know what shows up on screen. And no matter how slow Xcode is, I've gone very good at just typing and just watching Xcode <laughs> just fill in the blanks uh, because I can build in that buffer. Now, without any of that, I could not write any code. I was trying to write like a struct, a codable struct. And I'm like Swift A of type codable uh, and then getting some <laughs> square brackets and so curly. And I looked like a mess, frankly, like from someone else's point of view. So... If anyone like does hold interviews, like keep in mind that even the best of us will, Intentions. Yeah, yeah, will like completely struggle when it yeah. comes to not using a tool that we're used to mm-hmm. or doing it in an environment where we aren't. Like, I it took me a while to like realize that it wasn't nerves that was doing that; it was just the fact that I wasn't staring at my keyboard. And I'm not going to like stare at my keyboard while I'm talking <laughs> at someone. So that was like a, the lower priority. And I didn't even think about why I was struggling at that. Um, so it, it really does kind of, it, it's very bizarre how we have very different practices during interview process, during an interview process than yeah. like during the actual work. Um, and it would almost be better if we as a community got used to, hey, maybe we contract for one week as a trial period to see how you do. Um, And that is your interview process. You get paid for it. Um, And if you don't end up doing any work, it's not going to cost very much because you're not going to end up paying for anything. Um, And if you do good work, then like you're immediately a keeper. Um, And as you as as the person doing it, know a little bit more about the project you're going to be working on and can ask for more as a result saying like, Hey, this was actually really easy. I think you should be paying me a little bit more than $40 an hour. Um, so yeah. it's, it's very interesting how we've kind of landed at this place. And for all the people who are hiring that happen to listen to the show, do keep in mind that not everyone is going to succeed like upon first meeting um whereas they can succeed much better working at a different shift than what you're used to maybe they're not morning people and that that morning meeting that you have them come to that first thing of the week they don't even remember what they were working on last week because they just woke up um so like all sorts of different like paths that brought us here do keep those in mind um both during hiring and both like when you're working with people everyone's different right I read about a study recently that that they took college students and they gave them it, they were I think they were all like basically programming majors and they gave them they split them up into different groups and they and they put them in like little sort of you know like uh, study rooms so like a conference table and a, and a whiteboard as a, as its own separate little room and they had some rooms and they had them all do the exact same problem and it was like a pseudocode whiteboarding kind of thing um, and they they it was all the same problem and in some cases. They told them uh, that there was you had no time limit. You could take as long as you needed, and and there was no real restrictions other than just like on the whiteboard, just just draw it all out, right? And in some cases, they put a camera in the room, and they obviously told the the candidate that you would be monitored by you know some senior devs to watch how you solve the problem. And then Devious. in other cases, there was no camera; they were not being watched. The, that was the only difference between the two groups of of students. And it was a statistically significant difference, and it was like not by a couple points; it was a lot. That the students that um, that were not being watched solved the problem more completely. They solved it with a better 
implementation. It was they they did it in faster in some cases. It was in every possible sort of metric. It was that theirs were better than the than the kids that were being watched. And so because the the question that was being asked was basically like you know. In an interview setting, when I'm staring at you while you're trying to solve a problem, is that is that all by itself uh, part of the issue? And it does seem to, you know, this this one uh, this one study does seem to show that that there maybe is something to the idea that if you're being watched and you know that that uh, you know it can affect your your ability to think through the problem, to do it quickly, to you know to come up with an interesting solution, all those things. Which is which I think is funny because that is pretty much always what a technical interview is, and that is very rarely what it is to actually do the work for you know on a, on the day to day. And that's not to say like go ahead and give everyone take home like exams, right? Um, like I would say as a company, if you're going to give someone a take home, pay them for it. Don't give them something yes. that they're going to waste their time yes. on because especially if they don't get the job afterwards, they're going to be bitter. And that bitterness is going to prevent you as a company from getting more candidates in the future the more people that you inflict this bitterness upon. Uh, so like, keep that and, in mind. <laughs> and not only the take-home tests, like some of the bigger companies do like six-hour interviews. Yeah. I saw a tweet about someone applying for Apple remotely. And then they were like, like the Apple interviewers were like, okay, yeah, just reserve uh, so and such and such day from 9 a.m. to like 3 p.m. for interviews. And I'm like, what? Remotely? Are you insane? How are you going to have like, what, six hours of interviews remotely? That's like, it's even grueling when you're like with someone else. But yeah, but there's the, yeah. The, the small moments of like chit chatting, moving from one place to another, like presenting yourself, etc. Like the, the small interactions that you have, but like remotely six hours of Zoom meetings, interviews, that's like, that's not how work is. So no. why mm-hmm. would you even start there? It right. doesn't even make sense. Yeah. But, and how are they going to make a decision, right? It's going to be an interview by committee at that point. Yeah. Um, right. And just like designed by committee, that never ends well. Um, right. And you end up, not finding the candidates that are actually going to be beneficial to you. You just find the candidates that make everyone happy. Um, yeah. And, and go, going by your point, you like, it's not being paid. Like You're not being paid yeah. for those six hours. So it's the same thing as a take-home test. If a take-home test takes more than an hour or two, which it should because like you can't judge someone by a, a, like an hour project. So if it takes more than two hours, you should be paying people. Like It sucks that you're not. But I would say by the same token... I don't know how much. So, like, my maybe maybe everyone will will send us email and say that I'm terrible for for the way that I do this. But my interview process is has been so far a 30 minute sort of getting to know you, understanding your career goals, understanding your 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 experience history and your training and stuff, and then an hour long technical interview with me, where like I said, they bring a project they've worked on and we go through it. How much more? And let's say we're talking about juniors in particular. How much more are you going to learn about someone's ability to do the job in a six-hour back-to-back, like, just grueling interview process than I do in an hour of asking them to explain what their code's doing, how it works, why it works, right? Like, the... like I like I said, Agreed. I'm going to say something that's that's the opposite of what I said before, which is that it's not that complicated. Like it it it, it is very complicated, but but basically, either someone understands the 
basis of what they're trying to accomplish and they and they're thoughtful about their about the engineering work that they do or they're not like it's it, i have a perfect analogy yeah. like if you had like a professional piano player someone sure. that's like part of an orchestra yeah and you had like someone that's an amateur that's been practicing the piano for one or two years yeah like it doesn't take a lot of time to to realize which is which if you put them to play like right. a piece right? right if you tell both of them bring me a piece that you like to interpret that it's yeah. at your skill level right it'll be almost immediately obvious <laughs> right. which is which right yeah. it's yeah. the same thing as that you're saying yeah. like if they can fool you for an hour they're at least worth consideration <laughs> cuz it's yes. like wow that's actually impressive like, I'm not even mad that you fooled me because <laughs> I learned something. <laughs> but it just doesn't hour, happen in programming, in. right? <laughs> that's great. That's so good. Uh, yeah, no, but that's true, right? I mean, well, and I, and maybe maybe this is incredibly, uh, like, arrogant of me, but, like, I think in general, in an, in an hour, it's going to be relatively clear to me whether yes. you know what you're talking about or you don't, right? Yep. I, I honestly don't think you could necessarily, if you were, we're talking about a genuine, fresh, green junior who's done three tutorials and then read a bunch of stuff and is trying to fake their way through a senior level interview, right? I don't think that there's probably too many people on the planet that could do that successfully. And at the end of the hour, I'd be like, this person has, despite their resume, this person has 20 years of experience because it's obvious, right? Like, that, that, I don't think that's possible, right? Like, it's, it's going to be pretty clear that you're going to be able to basically, like you said, you're going to be able to narrow in, like, oh, this person seems yep. to have about this much experience, right? Based on the yep. answers to the questions that I asked, right? Even if, even if you couldn't, maybe you can't see them. Maybe it's, maybe it's like the voice, right? Like, they just show up and, they, and you ask them questions and they tell you and you don't even, you can't see their code, or whatever, but they're just explaining it to you, or like in your piano analogy, right? They're playing, they're playing the piece, right? It's gonna be pretty obvious if it's chopsticks, then unless it's the best chopsticks you've ever heard, right? <laughs> they're probably pretty new. Like, <laughs> let's let's do a speed run. Let's just get random people. We'll do interviews each of us, and whoever gets like the the, the lowest time. Like any percentage just wins. Well, lowest time and accurately assesses their experience level. Well, we'll do two categories. So it's a low All right, percent. two categories. All right. <laughs> awesome interviews done quick. Yes, yes, there you that's go. perfect. <laughs> nice. Excellent. So this week's episode of Code Completion is brought to you by Hungry. Hungry, that's Hungry with three U's, is the iPhone, iPad, and Apple Watch app you turn to when you really want to eat but are blinded by the multitude of choices available to you and your insatiable hunger. Hungry isn't here to help you discover new restaurants or flavors, no. It has a much more humble purpose. You tell it all about your favorite restaurants, and it will deploy its cryptographically advanced random number generator, invoked by shaking your phone in frustration, to make the decision of what to eat for you. Stuck at home in quarantine and sick of ordering pizza? Use Hungry. Did Hungry just suggest pizza again? Don't fret, as options for another cuisine, a cheaper option, something closer, or simply another option are just a button away. Hungry also comes with a collection of fun animated iMessage stickers so you can share your hunger with others. Thanks again to Hungry for sponsoring our show. Search for Hungry, that's H-U-U-U-N-G-R-Y, on the App Store today to give it a try. So 
Lately, it's been really dry and I wanted to get a better feel for what our indoor air quality was like. So since I keep buying stuff, I figured we might keep this uh, mini review corner segment going. Uh, and I got this nifty little device and this is the Xingping Air Monitor Lite. And it will just cycle through like different air quality stuff, um, like temperature, humidity, CO2, and then the PM uh, 2.5 and PM 10 uh, micron like particles, uh, which is super helpful in California as we always have forest fires. So knowing when uh, to shut all the windows and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, it's been super nice. So I highly recommend it if you need a home, uh, home kit compatible air like a monitor thing. There's like three options. There used to be four. Now there's just three. Uh, and this is the nicest looking of them. Uh, so I, we bought two so far. I'm probably going to buy more for the entire house. Uh, and then you can just ask Siri, like, what's the humidity like? And she'll tell you. Uh, and that's super neat. I know she'll give you the range too, which I didn't even think she'd be smart enough for. But yeah. That's pretty cool. I have an aware um, on my kitchen and it's, I think it's just eye-opening when you can check the air quality immediately. Like I start cooking. Especially in the, the kitchen stove. when you're cooking. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It, I, on the gas stove. And I immediately, like two three minutes, you can see the air quality just drop. And it's been an eye-opener. Like, oh, yeah, I should probably open up a window. Because <laughs> it's a, at like a 1,000 parts per um, million for carbon dioxide. You start losing some faculties, right? You're not going to like drop dead at any moment, uh, moment, but you start losing some faculties. And it's really easy to get to that level and then just go back to normal. So having a way to measure it is really, really cool. So mm -hmm. I'd recommend getting any any good and decent uh, air monitor. Especially if you're in an office for like all day, like right. your CO2 has filled that office. Yep. Um, same for if you're sleeping in your bedroom with like two people and pets, that bedroom is full of CO2 by the morning. Um, and you might notice like on days where you feel good, uh, that CO2 did not climb. And on days where you don't feel so good waking up, that CO2 was very high the whole time. Um, so uh, as Fernando said, definitely recommend just for that. Um, and also to monitor your gas stove usage because, oh boy, California has a thing called Prop 65, like known to the state of California to cause cancer. And it is on everything. And it's like a joke. Um, but like certain things you just don't think about. It's like, oh yeah, we've always had a gas stove like for generations. Um, have a window open because that thing, yep. that thing has a lot of, uh, byproducts that are not so great, <laughs> but yeah, great for cooking, but not so great for you. Uh, so with all that out of the way, it's time for compiler error, a segment where I get to test my fellow completionist knowledge about Swift Apple and all things development. And today we have a wonderful theme, and that theme is uh, the origin of various tutorial sites. <laughs> How apropos. <laughs> so we have four statements today. Uh, the first one, Swift by Sundell was started in 2015 with the launch of Swift 2.0 and debuted with an article all about optionals. Statement number two. Paul Hudson's Two Straws screen name comes from the fact that as a kid, he found it a pleasure to treat himself to two straws with his milkshake. Statement number three, Sean Allen started his teaching career vlogging on YouTube since around 2017, but was actually in his audience's shoes two years prior to that with no programming experience. And statement number four, Paul Hudson wrote his first books as early as 2005 
and has developed over 100 apps. So, uh, Fernando, since you and Spencer won last time, uh, why don't you go first? Uh, I, I, I think it's number three. Final answer. Wow. Next one. Confident. Okay, Spencer. <laughs> Confident or hubris, we'll find out. <laughs> uh, I I'm a senior no developer, idea. Ben. <laughs> oh. Oh, well. In that you case. also know everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it feels weird that Swift 2.0 came, came out in 2015, but I think that's right. Um, <clears throat> I, I don't know. This sounds terrible of me, but I mean... Has Paul Hudson developed over 100 apps? I mean, I'm like, depends on what you qualify as an app, so I'm not sure. Um, I know he was a writer for like a newspaper or something before. Uh, I'll I'll go with number four. Not not super confident, but the two straws and Swift by Sundell seem plausible. And Ben. So first, I'm going to apologize to John Sundell, Paul Hudson, and Sean Allen because I don't know their backstories nearly as, I pro- <laughs> as well. They probably should, um, but uh, I feel like t- I don't know. I, I have actually been curious, but I don't know what Paul Hudson's two straw screen name like the backstory is on that. Uh, I feel like that's a plausible answer, though. Um, the Sean Allen thing sounds right. Uh, at least like the the vlogging thing sounds about right. To, that he started in 2017. And I could buy the idea that he hadn't been a dev of you know more than two years before that. And again, I think just like Spencer, right? I, it depends on what you qualify as an app. But I could believe that Paul has written that many apps. I mean, certainly if you conclude all the examples and stuff he's written for his tutorials and books, I'm sure it's way more than that. But again, depending on what you could qualify an app, um, I I feel like John Sundell has. If he's really been doing this for seven years, then I'm genuinely old uh, because I don't feel like it's been that long that he's had Swift by Sundell. Um, so uh, I'm just going to go with my gut. That's what I thought was maybe the, the false one from the get-go. So I'm just going to go with my gut and say it's number one. Final answer. An excellent choice. Uh, so let's all start with uh, number two because you all kind of agree with that one. So Paul Hudson's Two Straws screen name comes from the fact that as a kid, he found it a pleasure to treat himself to two straws with his milkshake. Uh, And this is absolutely true. So um, good job so far. Uh, He shared this in an interview, which was in a podcast that I am not remembering at the moment uh, because I failed to take notes. Um, Sorry, my life. Uh, but, uh, he, he found it hum, like humbling that as a kid, he was in such a situation where like being able to treat himself to two straws, like made him feel, uh, like he could like have stuff, uh, that that's the reason why he uses that, uh, screen name and it's carried with him, uh, for all these years, uh, with his uh, ultimate success. So, um, that's why he keeps it. Uh, so good job so far, and now I have to pick between the three of you of who's going to be false <laughs> We've made first. it difficult for you to be <laughs> So let's start with uh, number four. Uh, oh, no. So Spencer, <laughs> Sorry, Spencer. You think that Paul Hudson uh, either did not write his first books as early as 2005 or has not developed over 100 apps. And if you go to uh, hackingwithswift.com slash about, it seems to claim that he has written oh. over 100 apps. 
Uh, so that's from the man himself. Um, but did he write his first books as early as 2005? Uh, and the answer is yes. Uh, so sorry, Spencer. He's uh, old what school. do you think those books were about? Well, they so weren't about iOS see. since it didn't exist. <laughs> so uh, I found some early books about that. ESP and uh, Speaking to Ghosts by a Paul Hudson, a very different Paul Hudson. Um, <laughs> I was going to say. Unrelevant. But the ones I did find... Uh, yes, it was PHP. Yes. Um, and others were on Linux. Um, so mm, nice. he's been doing this for quite a while. So don't don't go ahead and think that like overnight success just comes. It's uh, something that's nurtured over a long period of time. No, uh, so me. Fernando, you next. <laughs> <laughs> so you think that Sean Allen uh, either did not start his uh, teaching career vlogging on YouTube uh, since around 2017, or that he uh, did not have or he actually did have programming knowledge or something along those lines. Uh, but this is also uh, completely true as well. So if you go to his YouTube channel, you'll see one, that one. his videos uh, going back all the way uh, to 2017. And one of those videos is how I learned uh, from no programming experience whatsoever to become an iOS developer in seven months. Um, wow. And he, on his site, if you go on the Wayback Machine, you can see articles that he used to write of like his journey um along the way uh so he absolutely did like uh go through tutorials go to a boot camp and teach himself ios development um and he's nurtured his own knowledge to the point where like teaching others which like honestly if you need to teach others you really start to think about like what you know and what you don't know um and that's a great way to really excel so he's done exactly that and that's why he's where he's at at this point the only reason I chose number three was because I thought, like, I, I almost fell into Ben's trap uh, when he said, like, Swift by Sundell 2015. No way I'm that old. I was like, 2017? No, that is completely wrong. Like, <laughs> no one's heard of on Sean like, Allen back then. Five <laughs> years ago? Yeah. Yeah, he started on 2013 or something, like, a long time ago. Damn. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so that absolutely means that number one is the compiler. So good job, Ben. Uh, so Swift by Sundell, when did you think it was started? Uh, yeah, 2015 seems too early. I, I, for some reason, 20, 2018 sticks in yep. my head, but I don't know if that's right. So if I say 2011, what would you say? That he started Swift by Sundell in 2011? Yeah, that's fake. Uh, yeah, because like, he, before Swift, <laughs> before Swift even came he out, was like Russian, he was just he was like getting like uh, some kind of mind meld with with um, Chris Latner and just like getting all of the the fresh Swift data and and, and publishing it. Yeah, so uh, he absolutely did start in 2017, according to his website, um, and it has nothing to the first article is nothing to do about optionals. It was something about like how you do error handling or stuff like that. Um, so yeah, uh, good cool. job, Ben. Uh, sorry, everyone else. You used up your luck on the last one. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah, it's fine. Um, and as always, I want to personally thank everyone for listening in this week. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter at code completion, uh, to know when new episodes get released and feel free to tweet at us if there's ever a topic you'd like for us to dig into. Most importantly, as a small podcast, please be sure to share this with your friends and family who are also interested in any part of the process of app development. Uh, It's your support that enables us to continue doing this, and we hope to grow a healthy community around everything we discuss. 
Once again, I want to give my thanks to Fernando, who is at From Junior to Senior, that's F-R-O-M-J-R-T-O-S-R, on Twitter. Ben, who is at Ferris Guy, that's F-E-R-R-O-U-S-G-U-Y on Twitter. And Spencer, who is at Spencer C. Curtis, that's S-P-E-N-C-E-R-C-C-U-R-T-I-S on Twitter, for joining me this week. My name, once again, is Dimitri, and you can find me at Dimitri Buniol, that's D-I-M-I-T-R-I-B-O-U-N-I-O-L, and we'll see you all next week. Bye. 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 So as a super short commented out, um, I was reminded of a story of my childhood when I was like 10 or 12. Um, I had a copy of the development tool CD and on there was sample code for like a helicopter game. Um, and I was like into doing programming. So um, someone who I knew was like teaching programming at college and I wanted to impress them. So I went ahead and said, oh, hey, look at the thing that I like have been putting together. Um, and they immediately started like, oh, how did you do this? Or like, did you use an object to implement this? And I had no clue. Uh, and that's very quickly when I started like backpedaling and saying like, oh, well, this is like sample code. And I was like playing around with it and uh, all of that. And it reminded me exactly of like what Ben was saying with the uh, interviewees, like backpedaling their story once they realized that they didn't actually know uh, very well how something was put together. Um, so I guess I learned that lesson very early, the shame of <laughs> yeah, like the shame. <laughs> plagiarizing. Um, so I had plenty of time to work on it from that point to my first interviews. Uh, um, but yeah, the, I, I immediately thought of that, like as soon as we started the episode and I was like, I'll save this for the end because <laughs> yeah, but we've all been there. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a power of compounding returns. If you hate being wrong. And you're constantly wrong for a while. <laughs> like, you'll stop being wrong most of the time. Right? Yeah. I, I went, during the episode, I went into my Stack Overflow profile. And I realized that the first answer I gave was 12 years ago. And it was wrong. On, no, on July 1st. <laughs> and it was completely wrong. I, it's minus 15. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> But it was like, it's a long time that, that we've been, like, at least I've been doing this. And it's just compounding returns. You just can't not learn during that long of a time. Yeah. Although I, I had a great joke when you said, Dimitri, like, you fumbled through that interview because, like, it was, like, out of your element. I, it, I couldn't, like, sneak it in. But I had a great joke about, like, has anyone actually seen Dimitri Code? Because it's like, I we don't all just know. assume. Yeah. There's just screenshots at the end of it. It's like, oh, look at this pretty thing I made. Yeah. That would have been 66 fun. episodes in, he must be really good at BSing. Exposed. This is Jimmy, Jimmy. Like I said, I wouldn't even be Cancel. mad. Cancel. Yeah. I wouldn't even be mad if Dimitri's like going at episode 100 and he's like, guess what? I'm not a programmer. <laughs> I know nothing about computers. Bye. It's like I, I and you, you notice from like the weirdest thing is like, oh, so I wanted a constant, so I put it as a var, and you're like, constant var. Uh, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute, and then you like pull the mask off, like at the end, yeah. of, you know, <laughs> the end of Scooby Doo. Uh, that would be great. Uh... <laughs> okay, that's all we got. <laughs> Bye, all right. <laughs>